Come on in, guys. Welcome back to Talking Llama, Matt Hambidge and Jared Sundin here with the last episode of our season countdown. Number one season. You probably could have predicted this from the beginning. Season 20, Heroes versus Villains. It's probably number one on most people's list, if not number one, top two, three, four, five. And both of mine and Jared's number one. Not much else to say to, to preface it. It's the second all-returnee season after All-Stars. So a good, was that, 12 seasons in between. A couple seasons where they had some returning players, uh, most famously in between here, Micronesia, with half and half and the fans were his favorites. But first, all-returnee player seasons. So there was tons of hype around this one. Jared, what are some general thoughts you've got on Heroes Villains? The first time I saw it, it was like the most fun I've ever had watching this show. Like just uh, it's it's all your favorite people or least favorite people in one cast. And I know we've been critical of how some seasons, you know, overemphasize the favorites or, you know, like they they kind of swing and miss on putting the tribes together. But heroes versus villains, I feel like this was uh, this was as about as good as they could do. Um just with like character or categorizing the people and um, setting up the tribes where you knew the show would be a hit. Yes. Yep. I think they, they really nailed the casting with maybe I wouldn't have put sugar on this season. Um, thankfully she was voted out first in my, I, you yeah. know, for me, yeah. um, she did provide some, nice cringe humor with how much she basically wanted to hook up with Colby who just wanted none of it basically saying, let's go over there. He's like, no, I want to sleep. Yep. She uh, also got her top ripped off in the first challenge by Sandra. Yeah. That first challenge <laughs> was it. It was balls. It was like, we what should- is happening? Yeah, we should have known just from the first challenge that it was just not, no one could even touch this season. It was so wild. Sure gets her top ripped off. Rupert breaks his toe. Stephanie, Stephanie. <laughs> dislocates her shoulder and then just has them pop it back in. Never a yeah. fun sound. I mean, it was just on from minute one. Yeah. Um, as long as we're being critical, I mean... I actually think the weirdest casting choice is putting Candace on the heroes tribe. I have no idea why that happened. My, my guess is, and this is complete conjecture. So I could be way off base. I'm guessing they, they, they might've had like a last minute fill in and she could do it. So they just said, put her on the heroes tribe. Cause that's where we need a spot. Cause no one who was planned for villains made better sense yeah i guess or, or they just really wanted her um but they didn't have a spot for her on the villains 
but she's really a weird to... person to really want back. I'm just guessing here. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah, she, she doesn't really fit on the hero side. You know, she, um, mutinied in cook islands. Um, but, and she, and, but I mean, I, I'm, I was fine with it. I'm kind of neutral on her, you know, listening to some interviews and stuff with her afterwards. I think she's a great person. You know, she's, she's got insight in the game. She's really smart, but as a survivor character, she didn't really do, do a whole lot for me. But again, on any sort of all-star type or returning to player season, they're going to miss a couple. And so if you're in a cast of 20, you're getting 16, 17, 18, nailed i i'll never complain about that yeah i should i should just stop complaining right now this is uh as close to perfect as they can get for a season do you think that there's anyone that's on the season but you would have put on the other tribe let's see i'm looking through the cast list right now because there's Uh, one for me let me see is yours coach it is coach yeah, that that was another another odd one. I mean, if you ask him, he was probably going to be a hero. That's exactly why. Yep, self-proclaimed hero. I would love I love the idea of just playing into his ego more um rather than putting him on the villain's tribe like and kind of having him be confused, but I also like that, you know, they put him on the villain's tribe and it kind of uh I guess it worked out as far as like seeing some development in him, but um, well, we got the the coach and Jerry potential yep. love connection. Uh huh. We do. We'll tease it. We'll get to it a little later. We do get them playing the coach's ego in a different way, off island, which is <laughs> one of the most amazing things ever. But we'll we'll hold that because that it's that's led into by one of my only complaints on the season. Then it, then it allowed for that amazing amazing ponderosa story so something to look forward to a little bit down the line here um one other fun thing um to note one there's the there's the rob and russell rivalry which is fantastic and and the russell thing is actually really interesting so because this was season 20 he had just played on season 19 samoa and the way the filming schedule worked i don't know if you looked into the dates at all jared on this but Heroes Villains filmed starting in August through September 16th. And then Samoa premiered September 17th. So nobody on the show knew anything about Russell, just that he had just played and was on the Villains Tribe. And I think it did a couple things. They didn't, re- I mean, obviously they didn't really know what to expect from him because he was, I believe, the only player that no one had any intel or game footage on if you will so they didn't know what kind of devious player he actually was but on his side he didn't know that his game was a losing game all true all he knew is that it took him to the end and people who he probably viewed as inferior players voted for somebody else to win he probably thought oh this is a season of all-stars I can do what I'm going to do. They're going to respect my game. I can win this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I know that he said, or I remember him saying like he played survivor once. Um, it wasn't like two separate experiences. He, he pretty much 
film both back to back or at least not knowing how the first one would turn out and um yeah he seemed to like think that that was more impressive at least how he pitched it to uh the jury but yeah i guess both ways i could help him could hurt him um you make a good point i hadn't really considered that about him not knowing that his strategy was ultimately a losing strategy and then uh playing it again yeah yeah i mean i don't know that he would have made any adjustments but to not even have the chance to review you know monday morning quarterback himself after the fact and just jump right out there that's why it's always interesting to see players who play back to back um like like zeke and uh, michaela and yeah, I know malcolm and malcolm back-to-back, was yeah. back to back and just seeing how the other players react and how they treat the, that person because one thing that they always talk about and people always you know consider is all you need is any reason at all to vote somebody off and not knowing anything about one person while you know something at least something about every other member of your tribe could make for an easy easy target early on if you can't you know finagle your way into some sort of alliance off the bat yeah i I guess I don't know. Uh, it's it, hard it kinda, to say. It kind of falls into the better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Like if Russell's an unknown and every other player, I'm just saying theoretically, if you need a reason to vote somebody, every other player, if you know their their gameplay and their style and their personality, you can you can plan around that. And if you have that on every single player in your tribe except for one, it could make for a convincing argument for like a first vote where people are looking for just anything to get somebody out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, that's harder for me to, to get behind just because I think like with, well, Russell, I mean, the thing is the history doesn't support that. Like, I don't think anyone who played back to back has been the first boot. I'm, I'm just saying it gives a little extra pressure because you're already kind of an outsider before the game even starts. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to think about that a little more. Um, I, I think, in a way, like if you don't know anything about somebody, I think it would be harder to come up with a reason to get rid of them. But maybe, yeah, I again, I could see it working both ways, but haven't thought about it much. Right, pretty pretty minor um, discussion point, I think, but just something that's can make for an interesting discussion if, if you want to, but overall, I don't know that it affects, affects things too much um, in, in the game, <coughs> excuse me, necessarily. Um, but then Russell, of course, he go, kind of goes back to his own tricks. He hides the machete, tries to play the little psychological warfare, which is dick move, but it's always fun to watch. Yeah, a lot of his game seems to revolve around turning people against each other kind of deflecting attention off of himself. Um, But at the same time, it just seems like he loves the attention. So I don't really know what he goes for. He wants the right type of attention. I don't know if he gets the right type of attention, though. I would agree. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It weird. Like, that's one thing that I guess is a little surprising, because if you're playing with a bunch of scrubs, like he said he was doing on Samoa, like, Sure, you can probably mess with them a little bit. I, I'm surprised, you know, if he was expecting 
players and heroes versus villains to really be like good game players and you know you like they'll respect good game play why he would attempt to do the same thing like just kind of mess with them you'd think that he would maybe give them a little more respect than that too but yeah my thinking there is i i think he still at this point thought his game was so strategic that it was just at the end that the jury in Samoa was bitter and couldn't recognize the gameplay because they were new players too. And that doing the same thing. Oh, these all-stars they'll, they'll recognize the, you know, game recognized game. They'll, they'll, they'll push from, they'll vote for me. That's my thinking at least. Yeah, I, I guess I, but I mean, <laughs> I it, mean... it goes, it just goes to point how flawed at least at this point, I don't know what his thoughts are in the game or his games at this point in time, but, but during heroes villains that, he's had flawed thinking regarding his strategy and his overall, how competitors view, viewed the game and his type of moves. Yeah. And if we're speaking of uh, people who are maybe miscast, James had a few uh, villain, villain moments, not least of which on that, that uh, fighting challenge on the platform in the mud with the big like foam pads Heroes won in just a, a slaughter. It was a shutout. Whatever it was, nine zero seven zero, whatever they they were playing to, they they won swiftly. And then he he wins against Randy, knocks him in the mud, and then throws his pad at him in the mud. Yeah, just, just a good good old fashioned highly competitive person. <laughs> um, which is funny because it's not like he was going up against anyone who could give him a real battle. Everyone going to that knew that unless James like slipped. He was going to beat Randy without a problem. Yeah. Weren't they? I feel like they were really frustrated going into that challenge. Like they needed to win that challenge. And maybe that played into it a little bit. I could be remembering it I, wrong. I believe but, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so. heroes, heroes lost the first two immunities. I don't, don't remember how the rewards went. Um, but I'm pretty sure they weren't super pleased with how things were going. And then just decided to, or James at least decided to take his anger out on randy and then on the on the camp bananas banana etiquette banana etiquette later on which food is always so interesting and people's mindsets around food and and how just individuals or groups view who gets to eat what and when yeah i'm watching uh you and me were talking a little bit before this i'm on san juan del sur on like just kind of a rewatch mission and um, one of the episodes I just watched was Julie taking some trail mix from the merge feast. And, you know, it, it wasn't like she stole it from anyone. Uh, it was just like, she, she took some extra and hid it in her bag and, and people found it and they like freaked out. It was <laughs> just such a watching. It seemed like such an overreaction, but I guess if you're that hungry, like, if if you missed out on any food that you know someone else has, yeah, yeah, probably probably not good. Something similar happened on the current season of Survivor South Africa, um, with the not the opening feast, but the opening like uh, marooning, I guess, where you can grab food, and and someone one player like grabbed a bunch of extra food, and just like stored it in her in her bag, and and was just like openly even talking about, oh, I'm just gonna save save this for later, without like offering to people, and. It was like a huge deal, but but people were kind of having the same conversation. Like, 
why if you're gonna take the food at least keep it a secret don't make it known that you have this food that you're not gonna share that's not like strictly your food yeah uh yeah i guess in this case this this one seems like honestly the the least big of a deal of everything i've watched like there's dozens of bananas there and i know that if you take an extra one every time you walk by it it's going to add up but like to to have just like this big pile of bananas and be like whoa whoa let's let's show some respect here is well, it's not of... like dried rice where it's just going to last forever yeah yeah i like mean eventually, <laughs> eventually it's going to go bad you know people might still eat it if it's brown and mushy but eventually it's probably going to get to a point where it's where you can't eat it or people yeah. just wouldn't eat it yep and plus it's a banana which just makes it funnier oh, but... potassium gotta get the <laughs> potassium up yeah yeah just another another there's so there's so many just like moments that you can point to in in this season like there's coach and tyson's talk on the late night talk on the beach mm-hmm. where where coach has an actual like emote like it was such a funny combination of people to have that conversation because you have you have coach who's very emotional very in tune with what's happening with within himself and his mental state and his emotional state then you have tyson who's just like he's a serious player but he's, he's also a huge goofball and he's a very sar- very sarcastic kind of biting wit person and you have coach asking him for advice on how to like do better in the game socially and, and tyson said yeah don't wear a feather at tribal council. People don't like that. Don't tell us poems. Yeah. Uh, Tyson being the voice of reason is uh, pretty ironic, but in, I guess in, on that, the, in that sense of situation. Yeah. yeah. On the villains tribe, someone has to be. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it would have been like a, a better, I can't remember what episode that was, who was around, but um, you think like Jerry or that might be it. <laughs> if she if yeah. he had gone to like boston rob or or poverty they might have even if they didn't care they're not taking pity on him and giving him advice in a in a more straightforward less hilarious way yeah i could see i could see boston rob maybe doing it parv would be tougher for me to believe um i think if i think if he approached her yeah could, and she's and, 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 and she she'd be like this man is just out of his mind let me just calm him down. I don't think she would, she would reach out. I like the idea of Jerry doing it just because like maybe coach and Jerry have um, experienced some of the state, the same survivor stuff being misinterpreted and misunderstood. So that could have been a fun talk to see, but I, I just love that it was Tyson and coach because they go back to token genes, obviously. Yep. Yep. And that might be why, why he reached out to Tyson because he felt they had a, a previous connection, but that was just, just incredible. Um, and then another big storyline is James and his messed up knee. And that's a fun one. And them keeping him way too long in the game. He, I mean, he even has a quote. Let me find it here. There's nothing wrong with it. I just can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, that, um, that defines something being, being wrong with it. He had an, just an abnormally long run for everything that he was doing and everything that was happening to him in the game. Like he was, he had some moments with Tom and Stephanie that were pretty hostile. Um, you know, like 
a bunch of fighting within the tribe and he's not really making any effort to be the nice guy in the situation. Then he hurts himself. And there was a lot of reasons to get, and he's, he's taken extra bananas, the worst of all, Exactly. Um, but yeah, not many reasons to keep him a lot of reasons to get rid of him. And he's still stuck around, um, pretty, pretty far into the game. I love the race when he, uh, races JT. Yeah. Like that, that could have gone so bad. When you think yep. about it, yep. Like, we don't know, of course, how bad his knee was, but if it's at the point, I think the, the last thing you want to do is run unnecessarily, like a full sprint on it. I mean, he could have really messed it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's James. He knows his body. He's uh, he can make those decisions for himself. He's a big guy, strong guy. But yeah, that was I. <laughs> I knew that nothing really bad happened because um, obviously this happened a long time ago and I had never heard anything about it, but like still it's that stuff. I don't even like watching knowing that someone's fine. Yeah. Cause, cause there, there are injuries that can look really bad. Even if it turns out ultimately okay, that just no one needs to see. Yeah. Yeah. But they kept him over Tom. So like, there must've been a huge divide between those groups because Tom was still Tom was still a very fit strong strong competitor and capable challenge player and to keep James over him I think that Tom from the very beginning was just on the wrong side of the numbers um he made a weird he made a weird move that I think probably cost him a few spots in the game where you know, he, I forget who all he was aligned with. I think JT was in there. Um, and they decided to get together and play an idol when it was like five on three or six on three. And it's like, man, I don't know if you want to take a stand when you are clearly in the minority and you're going to take an idol and, and play it to advance yourself one more day. You're, you're pretty much just solidifying your position as the other side of the tribe when there's more people that you're going against. So well, there, I, was, an, I, there was an idol played for himself at, on when Sari got voted out, um, but it, it saved him in the game. So he, he needed to play it. Really? Okay. I, cause it was, I don't know if there are enough votes against him, but there were three votes for him and three votes for Sari. Okay. Yeah, so well, so he would have been voted out on the revote. So so in that case, he it didn't only get him one more vote because he was voted out the next episode. Um, but he 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 would have been gone three days earlier if he had not played it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that that just goes to show like even if you even if you have that power, um it, it's just like in his case, he was gonna go whenever he didn't have an idol. And you know, like, so what if he's stronger than some of the people that are left? It's just doesn't work with the numbers to keep him around. Yep. I was always think it's interesting to see because people get hurt on the show all the time, not all the time, but often enough where there's discussion over should we vote this person out, even though they're in our alliance, but be, but they're not physically capable and keep someone who's technically against us, but will help us in challenges and avoid 
tribal council. It 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 it's fun because it brings like an unexpected and hard to plan for a situation, which is always always cool to see how players adapt to the unexpected. Yeah. Um <laughs> a lot of unexpected situations on this season for sure. Uh but yeah, I'm I guess it just didn't I it, I know there's a lot to talk about, but this one didn't really like break my heart to see him go, but right. I don't know. Right. Um, speaking of unexpected situations going a little out of order, but the Tyson vote <laughs> when he, he basically yeah. votes himself out of the game. Yep. So just to um, lay the groundwork, you don't remember exactly how it, how it went. They were going to, um, split the vote between Russell and, and poverty. And they had the numbers to do it. If they, everyone did their, did their part, they were going to get one of them out. Cause they, they thought that one of them probably had an idol and it was, they were going to protect against that and just split the vote. Whoever gets, gets it played on, they'll vote the other person out. Um, so Russell, he convinced Tyson that Russell was also going to vote for poverty. So Tyson, who wanted poverty out more than Russell, decided to switch his vote from Russell to poverty, which was unnecessary. Even, uh, even if Tyson <laughs> believed him, it made it even less necessary for him to switch his vote. <laughs> yep. Uh, all, I mean, obviously, huge regret after deciding to switch his vote but i don't know if you remember what he said in his like closing oh i I wrote it down i absolutely did yeah what are you gonna do i'm still pretty awesome (laughs) yeah uh what a great way to go out um if you're gonna come back and win later of course yeah yeah but it's it's still a great read because russell played the idol so it's a great read on Russell to one, even attempt that move to, to on Tyson and make it work on a good player, mm-hmm. smart player like Tyson, even before he won, you know, he showed some acumen for the game. Absolutely. And then, and then to trust enough that it worked to play it on the right person. Cause he could have easily have played it on himself. Just played, have. just played it safe, guarantee mm-hmm. himself another few days in the game, but he played it correctly. Yeah, unbelievable moment. Um, I, you like you said earlier, there's just so many, so many little moments in this season that add up to make it great. Um, and and just idle plays alone, there were some some pretty crazy ones. Which one do you have in mind there? I love the the par of double idle play. Yeah, um, I'm sure that that's a pretty popular favorite idle play of all time for people, but. Um, yeah, where, you know, like one of Parv's closest friends, Amanda is trying to trick her into playing an idol for herself when they're going to really send home Jerry or Sandra. And then Parv, no, Parv has the perfect read on Amanda because Parv is just a <laughs> far superior player to Amanda. Uh, and then yeah, deciding to, you know, play one idol for Sandra that I think some people knew she had, and then playing a second one, which no one knew she had. Yeah. Uh, for Jerry. And it was, 
I mean, ended up saving Jerry, obviously. And like, for me, super fun moment, um, huge moment, huge play. But what I think is the most significant about it is that like, it, it might be a hot take, but I think that that is the moment that like broke Russell Hans forever. Like he, he thought he knew everything about the game. And when Parv pulled that second idol out, he was like, she didn't tell me. And I had no idea what was going to happen there. And it just like, you can see it just messes him up for the rest of the season. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it in that context, but I like that. Yeah. It, it was, uh, obviously watching the season for three times, like your third time, you're just going to pick up on different things, but, um, yeah, definitely, definitely came away with that opinion the third time through. And that, and that also was the culmination of JT's just <laughs> season long flame out. So if we take it back a little bit, um, on the villain tribe, it gets down to be pretty much Russell and, and the women, and so, including Barbary, who in Micronesia had, of course, orchestrated the first and still so far only long-term successful all-women's alliance. So, Rupert... There's one every season. Are you kidding me? There's threats of one every season. So, Rupert and JT just assume with zero context, none whatsoever, just assume with 100% confidence that the Women's Alliance... And Russell is in trouble. And what they do next, what specifically what JT does next, I think goes back to not knowing who Russell is. Because I would bet if they had seen him play in Samoa, even if they thought the Women's Alliance was a thing, I don't think JT would have passed his idol or done anything like that. No. But no. still, I mean, JT wanted to make a big move. And it, it was. It was just a terrible move writes the letter to russell that he gave to him with with the idol pass off at a challenge and russell and parv just read that letter out loud just laughing their butts off at jt there was no laughter with him it was all laughter at jt parv and even throws a couple extra extra sentences in there bffs forever xoxo yep something like that and, and I, uh, I think another great part is is Rupert saying about Russell, this is your chance to prove you're not a villain. <laughs> like, which is quintessential Rupert. Just can't imagine that anyone would thrive and enjoy playing the villain role, that everyone would want to be a hero. Again, it does play partially into them not knowing Russell, that he was a villain through and through. But just because you're called a villain this is still a game show. It's not like some inherently bad thing about you. It's just, yeah. you play the game a little differently than some people, a little, a little more cutthroat, <laughs> but <laughs> was... no, as fans knowing who Russell is, just hearing that quote, it's like, he doesn't care. He wants to be a villain. Yep. Uh, my, I have a couple of thoughts. So how do we know how JT got the pen? Um, I, I know it might have been from their luxury items. Okay. Or it, it might have... Cause they, they hadn't merged yet. I know sometimes they get like art supplies when they merge. But it was like a legit pen, wasn't it? Yeah. What I 
what I think would be the most funny way to get the pen is if he didn't have a pen and then he went to someone in production saying what he wanted to do and they're like we got to get this guy a pen does anyone have a pen here <laughs> that i i hope it's that that, <laughs> that would be be incredible but i in in my logical mindset i'd have to say that's not how it worked that's a little too much influence they probably knew how, how, it, would, how it would play out yeah. But it's hilarious to think yeah. about it that way. They're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be television gold. Get this dude a pen right away. <laughs> yeah. We can only hope. I, but I'm imagining it was part of a, oh, someone's luxury item. Okay. Which which people, which things like show up every random once in a while. Someone will have like a book or a journal or just random knickknacks. They never like address that that just have to be have to be luxury items. Um, but yeah. And then JT's part in words. Don't ever trust women, ever, ever. <laughs> uh, Which is hilarious. Is Russell a woman? Because it's still a complete misread on the situation. Yeah, Even down to the last second, his yeah. final words, still doesn't, doesn't know what happened. No, so great. Uh, I mean, not that it was a, a direct A, B, C, D sequential sequence of events, but... I like to imagine it was because it basically was yeah. JT an incredible winning game. No denying that in token in token genes, but his uh, subsequent outings did, uh, did not quite fare as well. No, no. It's kind of got worse as time went on. Yep. Um, what, what do you think was worse? His heroes, villains or game changers? Oh man, I think I think Game Changers was worse because it was his third time in after getting tricked his second time and it just it still went horribly. Like you got to you got to go in a little more aware after that and it just yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, it's hard to really argue either one. I would I would say Heroes versus Villains because he had zero context or evidence to back up what he was basing his decision, his decisions off of. He just made a read, went head first, full bore into it and was wrong on everything he thought. Yeah. I, at kind at of... least in game changers, he, he could make his case for why he thought certain things. It was still bad, still very bad. But there was at least in my mind, my mind, there was some some reasoning for it. Whereas in Heroes Villains, there was just just misread everything that he could. It probably says a lot about your game if we're like arguing which of your subsequent seasons were like your worst season and we can't really come to a conclusion. <laughs> yeah, it's not not a great thing for people to uh, discuss about you. But I still like JT. Great. I still think he's a great player. Um his, I don't think his bad his bad seasons detract from his win whatsoever. Yeah, super strong win, like one of maybe one of the best of all time. As <laughs> one far of the as, best for sure. Yeah, but not so much rounds two and three. No. So one thing about this season, there was not any sort of tribe swap or mix up prior to the merge. Typically, I'm not a fan of that. And that's one of my very minor complaints. It ended up working out just fine because they merged at 5-5. Five, five. Um, 
but I, I like when when they get the tribes mixed up, you get new relationships, you test old ones. But what do you think about that? Either just in general or for this season specifically, not doing any sort of swap or anything before the merge. I wonder if they had a backup plan if it got out of control. Like, let's say that the heroes just, you know, win every challenge early on. Maybe, you know, the villains get down to three people and they ha- they have to do something. But um I, I like I like how it turned out. I mean, it like it really solidified the difference between heroes versus villains, um, keeping them separate the whole time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got no no complaints really for me on that. What about in, in general, if it's like an all new season where they don't have this defined heroes versus villains type trait? If it's all new, I love seeing a swap in the middle of it, but. Uh, obviously some people it's going to probably cost them their game um, from an entertainment standpoint, though. I think it's better than keeping them separate the whole time. Yeah. And, and I think like you, like you touched on and um, alluded to the all returning players helps not have a swap because you have kind of established characters, some sort of established relationships and alliances and friendships. Um, but I more often than not, I'd always take some sort of swap over over nothing. But times like this, it works out. So not much to complain about there. The one thing I do have to complain about, and again, it comes with a caveat because it leads to the best part of the season in my mind, that Coach and Courtney are voted off before the merge but still make the jury. That I hate. If you're not merged, you cannot. you should not be on the jury. That's true. Yeah, you don't really can't really see everything that's going on with the other tribe, especially in a season like this where there's zero zero swaps. So they yep. had nothing to go on 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 the other tribe. Um, but them being on the jury did lead to the formation of a survivor band, Jared, which you and I are both very well aware of. Um, we mentioned. I think. In, I think you'd even say the Survivor Band. Yes, th- there were some more afterwards, but the Dragons with a Z for copyright reasons. For copyright reasons, was formed at Ponderosa, and um, so Dalton Ross he wrote the oral history of the Suri, Eric, giving up his his immunity um, in Micronesia, and he did the same thing for. The Dragons, an oral history of the greatest survivor rock band ever. If you just if you just Google Dalton Ross Dragons, um, it it'll should be the first result. And Dragons with Dragons Dragons, excuse me, is with a Z, but if you search with an S, it will probably come up. And now we're not gonna read the whole thing. Um, we could, but it's like I printed it out. It's like thirty pages. Um, it's basically just interviews with the people involved. So it's a bunch of the production team at Ponderosa. Um, Coach Courtney and JT are are the main characters, if you will. So coach is voted off first. He's the mayor of Ponderosa. And I guess at this one, I think there's more to do now. They've got basketball hoops and swimming pools and games and things. But at this one, it sounded like there was not a lot to do. They couldn't really go anywhere either. So coach was, was bored beyond belief. So we started off by just binging through the article says all of lost, but I think it was all of lost up to that point. So it was like four or five seasons, but still 
an impressive feat nonetheless. Unbelievable. I mean, you must have just gotten up eight, nine o'clock, watch Lost, go to bed at like 10, 11, and just do it again the next day. Not the worst way to spend your time. Not the worst, especially especially given the alternatives of basically nothing. Could have done worse. Yeah, nothing would be worse. Yes. Um, and then they find out that they have um, Rock Band, the, the video game Rock Band. So they start playing a little bit. Coach, of course, is a composer. He's got some musical talent. Um, JT or Courtney comes in. JT comes in. They they start playing playing the Rock Band. And, and Coach gets the idea that they can form a real band. And how much we want to get into this but they form a real band they they had like a guitar maybe another instrument or two yeah jt um, was the guitar uh yes. coach was the drums the drums that's right and courtney was vocals i think or they were all kind of vocals um and they start taking it really seriously of course because it's coach Oh, and it, it started, so, so they, they do Ponderosa videos. So they were filming them playing, playing rock band, but they realized right away they couldn't use that footage because the music was copyrighted. So they have to pay for the licensing, which they didn't want to do, especially for behind-the-scenes stuff. So that's when they got the idea of just making their own songs and make their own fake band, which turned out to be completely real. Um, and so they used the microphone from, from rock band, started recording songs, um, they get through various songs and their obsession grows. Um, trying to flip through the article here to find the best part. So it starts off at some point they, so that they, at this point, they're basically done with the game of survivor. There's like, where's all in this band who, who cares about survivor. We don't care about what's going on in the game, which as had, all good juries say, yes, as, as all good jury members say, it's who cares about the game. Let's focus on our, our band that will for sure. end as soon as this game is over, um, let's see, I'm trying to find the spot where it really kicks into gear here. Um, so they, they wanted to kind of make a, make a statement. They were, they were full on into the thing. They they wanted to get some exposure. Um, so at one at one of the tribal councils, they coordinated their outfits. They all wore all wore black, and they all snuck sunglasses past um, the wardrobe team. Wore those at tribal council. Immediately, probes told them take up take them off the sunglasses at least. Um, and that's just the beginning. So, so after that, this is, this is the best part. This is the, at least for me, I don't know what you think, Jared. This is, um, it's the best part ever. Yes. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to, oh, here we go. Part three controversy. That's gotta be it. Um, so they want to make band t-shirts cause, cause why not? You know, they wanted to go to, to J or seen his name to tribal as, as the band. You know, not just in color coordinated outfits as the actual legitimate band. Well, can uh, we? I want to backtrack just for a yes, second because you can, like, it's very obvious the first time that they wear all black when you go back and watch the season yes. what's happening. Like, you yes. can, you can see. Yep. And if you're not like looking for it, you maybe wouldn't catch it because they don't show the jury all that often. So you may not catch it. They all wore black that night and you might just, just walk through. Later on, though, it becomes much more obvious. Um, 
so they wanted to make band t-shirts um so production bought them t-shirts bought them colored markers so they just kind of handmade cheap at home shirts best you could do given what they had and so they wanted to go to travel council wearing shirts that say the word dragons across them and they actually got approval to do this they ran up the flagpole as they say and got approval to wear the shirts and as, as coach said this is what makes me mad of what happens next so they they get to get get to travel council get to set and they're told that they cannot wear them it's not what production envisioned you can't wear those and um and then as caitlin moore on the production team said coach kind of had a tantrum which is perfect um they're all wait there so they're all waiting to go and they're asking to change their clothes they're mostly coach just ref, outright refusing to do so taking a stand um that comes up later on which is incredible as well and um so what they did is that they Candace, who was a part of this tangentially kind of said they, they thought that maybe this would happen. So they purposefully didn't bring any other clothes to change into except yep. for Courtney. Courtney brought some, she goes, I'm, I'm not going to stand up for this. If they want me to change, I'll change. Um, but everyone else did not bring other clothes to kind of force production's hand into letting them wear the clothes they were told they could wear. Um, and coach was like insulted. He, he said, as they brought, as, as he said, they brought us dirty laundry to wear. I was like, F this. <laughs> they, 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 they just like found random clothes. You know, if if a production guy had on a shirt over a t-shirt, they gave him that. And so you can you can see this too at Travel Council. Yeah, JT's, JT's shirt, was the best. It it looks so off. It for sure does not fit him. And um and then so coach, he gets the great idea to just not go. Just refuse to go to travel council. Just refuse. So he, he goes off into the jungle. Um, and eventually production kind of walks in, tracks him down, talks him down a little bit. And they, they finally cave to coach. So coach walks in wearing, wearing the shirt. Cause um, as Courtney says, you know, what are they going to, what are they going to do? Not have him on the show, not have him on the jury. That's even more distracting. So I think they were just like, fine, let him do it. And coach I'm just going to read this this quote verbatim. See, there's the last man standing, honor and integrity. Most people think integrity is having a high moral code. That's not the definition. Integrity is believing in something that you're willing to sacrifice for. And you can see the integrity right there coming through as the last man standing wearing a freaking dragon shirt to tribal council. Oh, he's a legend. I mean, that's coach epitomized. It's incredible. And you can, and there's a brief shot of him walking in. He's got the green shirt. It says the dragons on it. Sure does. You've got to watch for it because I don't think it's long, but it you can absolutely 100% see it. And and production then afterwards said that this forced them to pre-approve all jury clothes and that they have at least four outfits that are sent ahead to LA that they hold with that production holds onto themselves in case anything like this were to happen again. This is unbelievable. This is like when they changed the overtime rules in the NFL because of the NFC championship game. <laughs> it's it's larger than life. It's absolutely bananas that this happened. Except it's kind of not because nope. it's coach. It's it's at the same time extremely believable. It's it's so I 
absolutely recommend that anyone who has not heard this story before goes and reads the full the full article. It's long, but it's more than worth it. I promise you. I've read it a couple times now, um, and there I think there is a video or a playlist with some of the songs they actually made. They have they have an EP with I think four songs maybe. Well, they did three, music four. videos too. I think I think they did all music video. Okay, yeah. Because and if I remember right. Uh, in the music video, is Coach playing the rock band drums? I don't remember. I, I've only watched it once, <laughs> it I think, be. and I haven't rewatched it, but I should do that. But one of the guys on production, he had worked a lot on music videos, and he said like, like the location that they were at, bands and managers and production would have paid like top dollar to come out there to film. So he goes, we have to make a video while we're here. And it's full on 80s goofball. It's 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 coach. It's what you would expect. It's fan. Yeah. It's fantastic. Full um, unbuttoned shirt, hair blowing in the wind, coach. Yep. He said, Yeah, I was ripped. Of course I want to show that off. <laughs> even even Propes and challenge coordinator John Kierhopper come down. Propes plays the didgeridoo with them. I mean, it's it's wild. And this could only have lasted what a week 10 days maybe yeah oh and, and the well the one of the funny parts is that like the first few people after coach jt and courtney that get voted off are like kind of in eventually yeah so candace candace and amanda um whatever order that's in they they come they come next and they're they took a little convincing but they were they were in um and that's maybe the the funniest part or one of the funnier parts that you just had your dream crushed for most people, oh, yeah. for everyone Courtney, a, a second time. Yeah. I remember and, a Courtney quote about this. What was that? Well, she, she says uh, like, yeah, people would walk in to Ponderosa and we'd be like super into our band and they would tell us, you know, they'd be all sad and, and saying like, you know, reflecting on losing the game. And she goes, that's cool. Want to join our band? <laughs> Courtney, Courtney's quotes are, are great in, in this article. She's hilarious. Um, so absolutely. Again, just search Dalton Ross dragons. It'll pop up. It's long. Read it, split it up if you have to, but it's, it's so good. Coach even at the end talks about wanting to like book a few like gigs just, just, just to see what would happen. I mean, I'd go. I would for sure. And then it talks a little bit about um, the few musical iterations that form afterwards. Um, there's one from Redemption Island with Andrea, Matt Elrod, and David Murphy. There's one that sounds really dumb from Worlds Apart called America because of course. Um, but the coup de gras after this have you seen chris noble's video no so the noble one is his stage name i hear he's got bars though it was better than it had any right to be oh okay i was joking it was i'm gonna say it was good as as okay. danielle said about the dragons it was ponderosa good you know which i still think is a decently high high compliment but chris noble of course he rapped on the show to varying degrees of success but now you look at it 
And he got to Ponderosa and he made like a full on legit music video. And they CBS had it up. I think they took it down, but I took this janky recording. I recorded like the video on my, like I recorded with my phone, my computer screen. I can send it to you, Jared, if I, if I still have it. I hope I do. It's in like four parts because it was too big to save. I have um, to see it now, it's, especially if no one else can. Try to find it. The Nova one, I think it's called Ponderosa. Look it up. It's, I mean, he plays into his kind of, kind of arrogant, maybe, I guess, frat boy, if you will, personality. I don't think that's an, that's an exact accurate fit, but the Chris Noble personality he he dives full on into it it it's great it's super high production value given what given where they were at just fantastic stuff not and honestly we maybe could have done a whole episode specifically on the dragons but uh, once again you have to read that article listen to the song to watch the video it's it's great and as long as we're talking about the season if there's people who are listening that didn't know about the dragons, but loved heroes versus villains, we had to mention it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, this is an iconic moment in survivor. What, even though it has nothing to do with the game itself, absolutely just iconic stuff from it changed the rules about being on the jury. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love when (laughs) stuff like that happens when people just being outrageous and unreasonable and hilarious force production to change things just to manage people down the road on the off chance someone does this again i don't think anyone has i don't think anyone will because there's only one coach because it, it had to be a perfect setup like if coach was second to ponderosa i don't know that it would have happened yeah probably not perfect storm perfect storm just oh it's so good once again Dalton Ross, Dragons, read it, read it again. You won't be disappointed. Um, I think we're kind of coming to the end, but there's still some stuff to talk about. Um, we mentioned it so many times before in other loved ones challenges. This, in my mind, I think in yours as well, and hopefully in lots of people's minds, is the single greatest loved ones moment in all 40 seasons. Some people might say winners at war getting to see the family that whole thing i love the winners at war loved ones visit more than you do i know well i don't like it so i know (laughs) that doesn't come close to this i mean it depends what you're going for if you want the sentimentality winners at war in the landslide but if you want entertainment and hilarity and just incredible content it's this so it's the, the the loved ones compete always good i love when they're involved in some way just makes it it increases the chance for things like this to happen so the loved ones stand kind of at like a a wooden beam with a bucket that the survivor players go out to the ocean pick up the water and then try to throw it from their bucket to their loved one's bucket and they dump it into a a ramp that throws a bucket that lifts a flag whatever it is and colby Fat man, Superman in a fat suit, according to James. Um, he's got his brother Reed out there, and they cannot get anything going. Colby, Colby's throwing the water. Reed can't catch it, or Colby can't throw it. Whatever it is, and Colby's putting the entire blame on Reed. He's yelling at him, and it culminates with 
one of just the best quotes, best gifts ever. He he throws Kobe throws the water. Reed can't catch it. He goes, "Damn it, Reed! Come on!" And just kind of punches punches the air, turns back to the ocean. I didn't do it justice. <laughs> just Google again YouTube. Heroes versus villains, loved ones, Colby. It might do the whole challenge. Just watch it. It's uh, I've watched that clip so many times. Yeah. When I when I do my recaps um, of the episodes, the written ones, and get to the loved ones challenge, I post that gifter video almost every time. Just say, yeah, this one was fine, but it's no, it's no heroes, villains, loved one, because there's never a bad time to use that. No, if you if you have a brother and you are a brother. You know exactly how this went down, which makes it even better. It's just that, just that unspoken competitive frustration. It's yeah, incredible. It's and then then he asks Reed asks probes. He asks or probes his volunteer, basically saying that he does this. He's been like this the entire time. <laughs> yeah, and thirty yeah. days of this or whatever, whatever it's been at that. That's maybe my favorite part of the season. Oh, see, that's that tough single for me. moment. Yeah, it could. It, you know, I just get I think you're so right. much joy out of watching it. It's just, it's perfect. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've only got a couple more things. Maybe, maybe just one or two. Um, Sandra Burns Russell's hat, which is great, because that's how much game she's got. Yep, that's what she says. Um. But maybe the one um, kind of notable part left is the reward with uh-huh. Amanda, Danielle, oh, and Colby. Yeah. And there's an idol clue. Um, they're they're at some like spa resort place, and they're all in a bed together. And Amanda find or not Amanda, Danielle finds a clue um, in in something. It's in her possession, and then she like hides it somewhere, puts it down somewhere. And Amanda takes the clue and basically just says, this, this is mine now. And Amanda and Danielle are like, they're chasing each other around the room. They're wrestling. Poor Colby is just sitting on the bed. Watching whatever terrible movie they're watching. Couldn't have been worse than Jack and Jill, but still probably not, not great. And, and Amanda is just refusing to give the, the clue back. I don't know how well people knew the rules back then, but I've always understood it that once you have something in your possession, it's yours. Unless you physically give it to someone and say, hey, yeah, take this or this is yours. That's your clue, your idol, your whatever. And then Colby ends up being the voice of reason finally and just tells Amanda to give it back. Um, but then back at camp, Danielle tells Russell, Poverty, and Jerry that she wrestled Amanda to the ground and ripped it out of her hands. <laughs> which... <laughs> None of that was even close to, I mean, it was close to happening, but nothing, nothing like that happened. Not at all. And then in maybe the, the more annoying part, on a, when Amanda gets voted out, you remember what she says? No. She says giving the clue back to Danielle was her biggest mistake. Oh, no, no. I, because of how adamant she was, I still think she's completely wrong. But I would love to talk, ask someone in production or on the show what the rules were there. Like the actual rules as they were written for the show. I can't imagine Amanda had any legs to stand on in this one, but you never know. Yeah, that's true. If she feels that strongly about it, I mean, this is, 
her third season and you know she has seemed to be a pretty reasonable player um although not the most memorable so i i'll say uh like although i personally don't have any feelings towards amanda um i think that like throughout her time on survivor if if nothing else she has proven to be a realistic player mm-hmm. that like you should take seriously if she comes with something like this yeah i i still think that danielle was 100% in the right agreed agreed but it would be would be cool to get some sort of definitive statement on it but that will happen but yeah another another just great moment um i think my last thing before getting to just a couple quotes um just poverty at final tribal referring to russell as her pet yep so good gold so good absolute absolute gold um well leading up to final tribal that uh immunity challenge came down to what like a second they all three of them ended up at the exact same place it was like a blindfold challenge. Yes, and, it was super yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. Always, always fun when the, of the a final challenge like that comes down like literally to the wire. Uh, just the last couple of quotes, and we'll see if you got anything else to to add on. Um, when James get, gets voted out, do you remember what he says? No, I'm gonna be good and drunk in the next five minutes. <laughs> oh gosh, classic. Yep. Sense, and then Sandra. When she's voting out Rupert. I love this one. This is so good. I'll write your name down again. And if I'm up there at the final three, you'll still give me the million dollar vote. And he <laughs> yeah, does. He does. Yeah. Gosh, she's so good. She knows she knows the game so well. She's incredible. All right. Well, heroes versus villains. Anything else to add? No, I think that was it. Maybe for like little moments. Um, like Russell kind of pits Danielle and Parv against each other right before Danielle goes out. It's a very emotional tribal council where um, I think Danielle ends up making the mistake of saying like, Oh yeah, well me and Parv are a lot closer than you think we are. And that was, uh, I know I said that Parv's two idle play kind of broke Russell, but this is like the one thing that he did after that, that, uh, I think really shaped how the game turned out. Just just uh-huh. turning two very close allies against each other and getting one of them out and helping him get to the end. Not that it helped ultimately, but not, yeah. Not in the big picture. Uh no. are we gonna are we gonna discuss uh who we think should have won? Sure. What do you think? Parv. The first time I watched it. I was firmly on the par should have one side. Mm-hmm. The second time I watched it, I was more par or Sandra. I was good either way. Yeah. It, it's tough because like we're watching it from the lens of like a huge survivor fan. Obviously we love some of the moves that Parv made. Um, we've mentioned in the past that like you can't argue the winner because the winner is the winner because they won. Like it's a very confusing statement, but like there's only they, one winner you can argue, I think. Sure. But like you 
you don't win by playing to a certain criteria. You win because you win. And yes, like that is what Sandra did right here. And um, on the, on the second and third times through, I, I understood better why she got so many votes. Um, and I became more okay with it. I, I actually was spoiled before I finished the season for the first time. So I knew that she won, um, which made it very frustrating <laughs> watching the game that Parv played. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Cause it's so much more, more out there on the edit. That's kind of the tough thing about Sandra's game though. It's, it's not always, or even often going to jump off the page. Like someone like Parvati will equally effective. Obviously she's won twice, but but like for a casual fan, they're probably much more confused as to why poverty didn't win just because they're her moves, I should say, are more out in the open and are e- more easily shown on the episode. Yeah. Would you say uh, Parv and Sandra, like two of the three people in this final tribal council are two of the best three players of all time? Two of the best three. I mean, Tony's up there. That is the other one that I was thinking of putting in that list. He's probably first, but I... I think Tony's first. Yeah. Sandra and Parv. Sareem would be up there, but she... Not all her fault. She hasn't won. Yeah. And and so I think that has to count for something. Yep. You got to win. You got to win to be included. And... I mean, I'd say maybe Sarah, maybe Sarah could be up there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think off the top of my head without going through every single winner or player, I think the Mount Rushmore would be Tony, Sandra, Parvati, and then Suri or Sarah. I want to say Sari, but Sarah's she's got the, really good. Yeah. But Sarah's got the win. Yep. But I think Sari would slide into that fourth spot. Yeah, I think she's social game, just street smarts. At, well, I don't know. Sarah's really good there too. It's tough. I yeah. I love Sari, so I'm never going to argue against Sari. But yeah, yeah. Funny that neither of us even mentioned Boston Rob. Yeah, I, we've talked about that a little bit. Yeah, we, we've touched on it, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, just from a, a complete game standpoint, I think, yeah, I would I would put uh, Parv and Sandra in the top three, both for sure. Yeah, I think so. Well, Jared, that is our 40-season countdown. We did it. Uh, it's a too soon to do it all over again? Yes. Okay. Maybe not for you, since you're rewatching basically everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot of work. Uh, I am sure you got your hands full every week, just uh, trying to think about all those different points to touch on. Um, but obviously a blast just going back and, and talking about everything that's happened over the last 20 years. Um, yeah, hopefully more to come too. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts, anything, any season you think we messed up on in terms of the ranking, bigger thoughts on the game as a whole or yeah um so upon my rewatches there's a few that i think i missed um kind of yeah like either overrated or underrated so 
Um, I'll just look through these quick. I yeah. think um, I underrated Philippines the first time that I watched it. Um, that was really, really enjoyable. A lot of good players. Um, few good moments. Strong season. Uh, yeah, I had that rated too low the first time through. Um, one world I had too high. I still don't think it's like bottom, bottom tier, but um, yeah, decent cast, but not a ton happened um, upon further examination. Uh, South Pacific, I probably had a little lower than what it should end up being. Um, Blood versus Water, maybe a little higher upon the rewatch i think i missed low the first time and then uh yeah i'm on san juan del sur blood versus water two right now pre-merge hasn't been great uh so i think i may have had that too high oh that one is a story of kind of kind of on the on the um i'm like is it is it caramoan where the it was it's similar to caramoan where the pre-merge isn't great but the post-merge is is super strong now caramon is stronger in the post-merge i think than than um blood versus water but when you see natalie kind of take control of the game and make her her move to the end that's when it gets that's the best part of the of the season aside from like a few moments here and there it's the best stretches yeah that might be a name that we missed for uh best players i don't know maybe maybe she did get voted out first her second time, but yes, uh, <laughs> don't need to rehash that. I think my biggest thing is I was, I felt pretty good about where everything ended up. I definitely, I don't know what it would go ahead of, but um, Ghost Island, I just super enjoyed watching. Yeah. It, it's got its problems as a season with some of the, the functionality of the Ghost Island twist and some of the other players, but I just had a great time watching it. I might bump that up a couple spots. Um, David versus Goliath. I think I had too low at five. Yeah. I might have a too low at three. Like that, that when we touched on that, we're looking 10, 20, 30 years down the line that that could, could be the one that people point to as this is the best season. Um, I know for some people they view, survivor pulling off a season with all new players that's more impressive because they're all unknown commodities um so like the the fresh blood if you will but other people like the the hypeness and the excitement over returning cast like heroes versus villains and then micronesia had the combination of the both cambodia has the heightened excitement of the fan vote and the second chance aspect of everything um but yeah, at the top, there's there's really strong seasons that could kind of make their case for number one. Yeah, I'd, honest, I don't know. This is going to be a maybe a hot take here, but I would probably put David versus Goliath above Micronesia right now. Um, I it's that is the season I have the most fun watching. It's it it literally is just a just a blast from start to finish. Like maybe no season aside from Hero versus Villains is. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of valid, you know, as long as you can back up your 
your opinion or thoughts do your thing but yeah you know we're, we're good on a good chunk of them super fun time going through the 40 seasons um got a few things to finish up before we get to the new new season in a little over a month um so next week will be our second chance casting and this will be a true second chance no winners assuming someone like Vesepia or earl they've only played once but they won so not they're not getting on again um we're gonna use 20 person cast we're gonna brand steel through heroes versus villains that was number one season made sense to do it do it that way um so how we're gonna cast it we haven't discussed this yet i have two thoughts tell me if you like either one or have a different suggestion i love them both should i wait oh sorry maybe maybe you'll maybe you'll love one more okay one so we have our master list so we go through season by season just add remove as we go along or you and i each make our own cast list anything that overlaps is on and then we then we you know debate talk about who should fill in the rest of the spots and then kind of evaluate at the end so if we have too many people who are too similar we can sub some people out if we if we see fit okay i like the idea of doing our own um but i if there is a way that we could still just very very briefly touch on everyone sure. that we've mentioned and say like here's the people that didn't make the cut too well um, it's yeah i mean going through the list oh. After taking out winners, uh, if I have the numbers right, we have 78 men and 74 women. We're taking <laughs> 10 of each. Okay. So we have some work to do. I already did my first run through and it was, it was tough. Okay. Well, I'm... I, I, I put them into, we can maybe get in this more next week, but I put, I put them into tiers. And so my, I had seven tier one for each. And then in my tier two, I kind of had to pick who I thought would mesh well or who I just kind of felt better about. Um, but yeah, there's obviously lots of good people that are not making the cut. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely want a chance to do my own if you've done your own. Um, and we, we got to discuss, you know, offline during the weekend, how we want to yeah. do it, but that might be no. a good way that make our own overlap and then talk about, you know, who maybe missed the cut. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, don't want to miss that. So if you're not already subscribed, uh, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen, we're there. And you can follow us on Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, on Instagram at Talking Llama Pod. For Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambidge, and we'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Christmas.